Welcome to Dungeons and Brews, the one and only podcast that talks about the muses of your seductive bards, the tragic family for your brooding rogue, and memorable NPCs that keep your players wanting more. I'm Mo. And I'm Austin. And today we talk about NPC creation. Welcome back to Dungeons and Brews, everybody. I welcome am... back. <laughs> uh, 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 we uh, are so. I'm in a good mood today, guys. <laughs> today it is a good filming. As as you can see, we're both very excited to be back and recording uh, once again. Um, we are going to be talking NPC creation today, but before that, um, I wanted to talk to s- about something because you know I think I had a note in a prior episode, Mo, and I've always I kind of wanted to pick your brain on it and a, a question before we talk about the brew. Tell me more. Before we talk about the brew, something how many, more important. How many magic items is too many magic items? Uh, to quote a famous movie, Austin, the limit does not exist. <laughs> All right. I figured you were going to say that. But I am uh, so excited to be back here to uh, do another episode with Mo. Um, we actually have a wonderful brew to get us started off with this episode. Um, it is from uh, Bell's uh, Brewing. It is a uh yeah no so if you're from the midwest you know all about the yeah no no yeah yeah no yeah this is the no yeah oh don't forget about the ope austin that no yeah oh yeah it's the no yeah it's oh it's good easy, i've never had this one uh, an easy drinking golden ale that they make for the summertime so mm-hmm. you know mo why don't you uh we'll go ahead and crack it and you do first taste for us oh oh i'm sorry oh i do what you normally do i know he jumped three two one <laughs> all right what do we have here Welcome to ASMR with Brewmaster Mo. Uh, just kidding. No one paid for ASMR Mo. Oh, okay, okay. Crap. <laughs> Patreon. It's going to Patreon, y'all. Yeah, it's going on the Patreon. That's actually really good. Again, it's uh, it's a golden ale, so it's basically like a light log, uh, like light. Yeah, just, it's very, it's, it's a so, very light roast. It's, great. it's not high. If I remember correctly, the ABV is like around four and a half percent. Yeah, it is actually four and a half percent. That's boring, Brewmaster Austin. Yeah, you know, but it matters for a golden ale. You know, it's a nice light drink. Uh, you know, for the end of summer, as we're kind of winding it down, um, and especially in Michigan, we're getting ready for the all point, too brutal winter. They're uh, starting to pop up right now. I'm starting and, to get and, those occasional cold, uh, well, the cold of days. Halloween's are already around. Dare I say, in September? Yeah, I know. It was PSL day the other day, <laughs> pumpkin spice latte day. <laughs> And no, I got one immediately. Did you? Yes, I, love I pumpkin spice everything. We have to reevaluate our friendship. Well, that's fine. So today we talk about NPC creation, everybody. We are going to break down a little bit more towards what crafts an NPC, what goes into the making of an NPC. I mean, let's face it. We were just talking about this in our last world creation episode as well, Brewmaster there, Austin. So let's talk about some of what we hinted at in the beginning. A good, not just, I would not say the word lovable, right? Because an NPC doesn't necessarily have to be lovable. But what's more important is they have to be memorable, memorable. a memorable NPC. And that's I want to do a quick shout out before we go down the rabbit hole. This is actually a listener uh, episode. 
um our first one our first listener episode i am so excited it, it comes from someone who currently dms a campaign i actually get to play in uh so i do get to play sometimes um but uh crubby i know you're out there listening this was a great topic and i'm happy that we get to do this for you but so in- that's right everybody we have our first uh, special episode that is dedicated towards your uh your request. So your request what's itching your brain. Correct. And like uh, I said. And remember, well, again, I know <laughs> I keep cutting you off, but I get so excited. Check out our Discord. Check out our lovely opinion poll directly on whether you're listening to this on Spotify, mm-hmm. whether you're sitting there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever it is. Give us a review. Give us a like. Let us know what you think. Share us with your friends. We would love to hear a little bit more. You can request episodes anyway. And that's the biggest thing. Leave us these requests. We would love. We'll just go through our list our numbers and request them we have several several in the viewer <laughs> yeah we can't wait but as you were saying yeah no for npc creation um it, i kind of got to talk to him a little bit more after he requested this episode and kind of get at what specifically he was kind of looking at and i think he along with a lot of dms want to make sure that the npcs they're putting in feel like they matter to the players in some way, that they're driving the action, whether that's through hatred of the NPC, you know, a a, a sort of romantic love with the NPC, or even just a bond that they feel like, you know, kind of a kinship with the NPC. So there's a lot of different styles of NPCs. NPCs do different things. So I think something to get in before we go into like specifics of how to do something, I want to give an example of a bad NPC that I've made and a good NPC that I've made. So in my very first campaign I ever ran, the whole homebrew one. So again, one that I was biting super, you know, more often I could chew, right? My big bad evil guy was the king who hired the adventurers, you know, a whole classic trope surprise. And he you was not. Who tried to inception that? He was not really. He was no. not memorable. No, he really wasn't. He <laughs> he was just he was just an elf dude. I really didn't have like a good way for the players to either bond or hate him. And they never, and like, it, even when I revealed the twist, it was kind of just like, okay, like it, it just really, they, they didn't care because they weren't connected to him. Right. However, in that same campaign, before they found that out, the players were diving through part of the underdark that was connected to this like mining cavern. And in that they found an adventurer who was looking for his lover. Um, he was, he was, like I, we got separated, we adventured together as a duo. I need to find him. I will happily help you guys on your journey so long as our goals align, right? So as long as we are together on our mission. And essentially he became the point for player combat in that campaign. So eventually it was found out that his um you know his lover his who he adventures with was torn apart by the baylord they would eventually fight um and he has this like emotional breakdown and all this stuff and some of the players my more chaotic players uh you know who you are uh were trying to they have no idea who you're steal from this guy while he's like having a mental breakdown about losing like his love they're like trying to like steal like he had like a cool magic item like a cool magic axe and some stuff like you know and he had like a bag of holding they wanted to steal that all that stuff and other players within the group stopped them from stealing from the npc and used like spells wild shapes polymorphs all that stuff and basically did a whole 
Winter, like uh, not Winter Soldier. What is the uh, Marvel movie where they fight each other? Is that Winter Soldier where they fight each other? Like Spider Man? Oh, Civil fighting. War. Civil War. Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. Uh, so it was like a whole Civil War situation where half the party was on the side of that's wrong. We're going to protect this guy. The other half was like, let's just kill him and take his stuff. And the way that I made him memorable was that I made him almost as an ancillary to the party. So what I mean by that is he was an adventurer that had his own abilities, his own objectives, his own things like that. But he was using those abilities in a way to like heighten the players in a way. So he, he was like a paladin. So like, yeah, he might smite occasionally here and there. The most annoying but, of kind. Of right. Players. But kidding. I love a lot of, but a lot of the stuff like he would use like bless, he would use spells that amped up the party as well, even though he very much had the ability to use them perfectly on himself. And it showed this sort of like, Hey, I'm trusting you to get me to my goal. And the party sort of learned to build trust with him. It also helped that most of those players were very much into, we're going to fight. And then we're going to drink a lot after the fight. Combat so, horny players. Yeah, they're That's combat horny it. players. Yeah. But they wanted to like party and drink after basically every fight. So very easy thing. He had a bag of holding with some kegs of alcohol in it. And that was just the party was like, hey, you're our you're our boy. Like you've got alcohol while we're in the underdark. That's a commodity. So the party instantly was like bonded to him. Very easy way if you're like party likes to do this. NPC has this and is willing to basically part with it for free. Party now likes you. So that's something that I've always wanted to. What makes them so memorable? What I realized also for me, I had a similar scenario. I had crafted two NPCs. Technically, one of them is like a duo, right? One of them is like runs an evil operation and he's a big bad guy. And then you have Bruno, the dumb but adorable half snow giant, you know, mm -hmm. half giant that I made him. And it was it was fun to see that dynamic. I've always enjoyed as a DM giving a player two sides, maybe of kind of the same coin. This, this you know, horrible side that is the definition of chaotic lawful. Like they will follow things to a T and they will play it out as long as it benefits them. You know, I said chaotic lawful, my bad. Yeah, but yeah. But what I realized is also that side also needs a gentler side. And so I made, you know, the big adorable giant. And what I saw my players do is they hate and love to see this combo. They love to see Bruno. They hate to see this other NPC that's in the, uh, the background. And then I had an incident as well where I made a character that I thought I wanted him to make him look like, you know, more redeeming qualities out of him that he was a bad guy but he's changed right and then i meet him do actions in my brain that i'm just like this will be funny right and as a dm you're gonna have those moments and then it just they end up hating they're like this fucking asshole like we don't want to see this guy we know the other guy's evil we know the other guy is you know adorable and dumb and we know this guy is just a dick he's a silver spoon dick and at that point as a dm and I think it's uh, something you, your DM uh, talked about, a campaign that you run and that you were just telling me about right there, that uh, they hinted at the biggest thing of all. Is it more based out of what you want to create or is it the spontaneity of the creature creation? Do you let your players establish who the character is? As a typical lawyer, <laughs> I'm going to say it, uh, it depends. But as someone who's DM'd, um, my th this is my philosophy on it. So this is not a DMG or a Wizards of the Coast thing. This is just my philosophy on NPC creation. 
is that whenever you make an NPC other than your big bad, so other than your penultimate, this is the, your ultimate, sorry, not penultimate, your ultimate bad guy who's pulling all the strings, they any NPC that you want to be memorable to the party needs to either contrast one of the player's very um, on-the-surface character traits or needs to heighten that player's character trait. Yeah. So what I mean... Oh, by, yeah. That's that, yeah. So what I mean by that is a perfect example. Uh, I, I run a Spelljammer campaign. It's currently on Pies while we do a little um, side one-shot with... Uh, or it's kind of turning into a short campaign, but with one of my players, he wanted to DM. So we kind of paused it and did that. But in my Spelljammer campaign, the uh, ship that they're on, the Spelljammer, is entirely GIF. They're all hippo, the hippo persons. And so I made the little, like like almost like a squire for the captain be this teeny tiny little elephant creature, you know, like miniature, like almost smaller than a human child and made him super adorable. He like skips everywhere. He has a super proficient like, in guns. He, he has a super yeah. proficient. He, he doesn't fight, but he yeah. does have, he does have a typewriter. So like when the captain's like, take notes, he like pulls out a typewriter bigger than him from a bag of holding types, you know, you make it cute. Right. And the reason I did this is one of my characters wanted to play the cook on the ship her whole backstory had this sort of like Medusa, but nurturing kind of thing going on. And she really bonded with this character Pip. Like that was his name. It just made it a really adorable little. Do you think it was a name then that may have made some of it? Yeah, Yeah. some of it is, but again, it's because her backstory gave this sort of uh, ability that it's like, Hey, she wanted to be a more like caring and nurturing character it's very easy to then make a cute little character that does like everything wholesomely. Like it fed the familiars honey, the honey to the bear familiar from the ship stores. Oh like God. all that kind of I stuff. All that kind love of st- that beyond belief. But it, all that kind of stuff. And because she was the chef, she was like watching him like, you know, do it. And it's just a cute moment. And she was like, kind of like, oh, like this would be, you know, kind of helping him out, reach stuff from the shelves, like that kind of thing where you make them feel like they're a real person and they have real like goals and interests and things and passions. And he's just a kid. So he's like, the, sh- the ship captain's like, draw me a map of wherever we've been. And he draws it in crown. It's completely wrong. You know, it's like things like that, that really bonded to that character. To that and character, so then yeah. when I have, my big bad come on board the ship and steal him and teleport away when they're a level like four party. They're like, we are going to find where this guy lives and we are going to burn every iteration of him to the ground. And that's now the motivating factor for the whole rest of the campaign. You just created Jonathan Riggs for them. Is that you just created Kang the Conqueror? And Basically, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Every variation of them that created the multiverse <laughs> must be disposed of. I think. My favorite thing about NPC creation, and I'll be honest, my favorite thing about being a DM and why I enjoy it so much is that as a PC, when I was PCing, and I, I would do a lot, I would do a lot of player player character uh, character creations and craft this and try and, you know, obviously you want to mid-max the character, right? Your brain can't help it, right? But what I loved so much about switching to the other side is focusing on the faults more, focusing on what makes this individual NPC so much fun. So what I get out of it, oh man, bro, that's why I still DM. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm -hmm. I get to not only craft a world of history that has established my world so far, Mm -hmm. but then I hopefully stumble upon a 
character like Bruno that I made in my world or a character like Mr. C that I made in my world who tends to be like this, you know, that that's the crazy guy. That's the guy who looks like, you know, probably is a mad guy. But that's why I DM, man. I'm telling you, sitting behind that screen. And I had I had a similar moment. Yeah. I know exactly because like and it was in this first campaign that one, the crazy one I've been telling you about. Um uh, so I made a guy, there was a there was an episode where or a session, sorry, episode. Uh there was a session where there are always episodes for us. None, Let it be known. Always. <laughs> none of the other players could make it. They all canceled like last minute. It was just my warlock. And it, this was his first time playing. You know, I was still a new DM. And I had been noticing that he had only been using crossbow and like this magic item I gave. He had never been using anything else. Well, he never knew that he needed to select spells. And I, in my new DMness, had never checked his character sheet, right? I had never looked it over, which we could go on a whole other DM tangent about. Oh, that. I have a player. I have a player who just really discovered with his wizard that he could switch them out every morning because yeah. he's a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, like, yeah, buddy, take a long rest. But he, we had so much fun. He's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I could do that. Oh, man, this opens up so many so I basically Been did there. a training arc with him, and I had a, a, a an older warlock that was I had already put in there. He was already in NPC, Tiberius. Um, I already put him in the campaign. He had already been a point of, uh, you know, interest for the people. They've already talked to him a couple times. So he was known. And I kind of had him do like a training session where it's like, hey, these are things that you can like, kind of do like a very video game tutorial. But we like went through and did all that. And this player that I did it with bonded with Tiberius very well. Well, it eventually like becomes revealed later on in the campaign that Tiberius, who was giving off this impression of like a, a human male you know, long white braid, kind of this very stoic character was actually disguising himself and was actually a tiefling, same as the warlock that he was talking to and had been punished to be a tiefling because of a betrayal that he had committed earlier. And that player was just like, what? Like, so cool. like it was like, it's it, so he cool. had the chance to save him and almost considered leaving him. And I could see the player wrestling with it. And that is how, that's when it first clicked to me. So Krevy, on the episode for this, I want to give you a shout out again, because you actually did this really well with one of your NPCs in the campaign already. He has a quartermaster on this ship. We're doing a spell jammer campaign. He has a quartermaster on the ship who is a straight up dick. I mean, he is just the most hard nose, no BS, no fun person. Like he is on every PC's ass at all times for anything, for anything. And he's made all of us hate him so much that, and I haven't told Krebby this, but he made us hate him so much that I now have like D&D dreams of my character killing that quartermaster because I hate <laughs> him so bleeping much. <laughs> Did you just bleep yourself on, yes, our explicit, I, yes. on our explicit fucking podcast? You're welcome. I apparently we've just been reduced a rating, so <laughs> we've only cussed once. Everyone apparently you could say at least one cuss word. PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah. But that I, that but, is what I think. Yeah, I think you have to contrast the characters and the way that Krevy did this with the quartermaster character. Yeah, um, yeah. So the way uh, Krevy did that with the quartermaster character was that he made him contrast all of our characters who were very much like 
kind of go with the flow very hands you know very leisurely like hey like as long as you know everyone's okay that's really the most important thing and that doesn't work for somebody like this character who he made very militant by the book right so a type a person is not going to be okay with things not being done a hundred percent as they should be every single time and you can imagine how a quartermaster on a ship would develop that trait inherently so it worked together do you feel like you have an easier time crafting evil guys or good guys like i mean to be more blunt about the terms is it an, a bad guy like that just comes easy to you like i can make this character a dick what do i do i haven't burn a village down <laughs> that's horrible to say out loud i want it to be known but or do you find it i find it harder to craft a good guy like to have a guy like i i find the opposite do you because i i i've found that the camp, the camp, in each of my campaigns, no matter what, if I find that the good characters are the ones that I find my characters relating to even more. Like recently, with the one I ran the boss battle with a couple weekend, like now almost a month ago at this point, um, they uh, they really bonded with a lot of the NPCs that I had made, like a cleric in town, a local a local guy who's running a small thieves guild. Like they bonded with these guys who are technically like good or bordering on neutral but good yeah. characters. And I think it's for me, it's easy to, it's easier for me with my, and I know we talked about it in the last episode, the like failed child actor background. I did a lot of like, I keep forgetting that. Yes, I know. Can you just say one thing in the Texas accent? Just one thing. You could turn it on for just one thing. See, garlic toast. Just, just one. Uh, we're going to have a full plate of garlic toast tonight. You understand? Oh my God. Are you about to take your shirt off, Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> I just got but... curious. Anyways, I get your point. I get your point. <laughs> But I I find that that sort of background that I have lends itself to more emotional monologuing. And my emotional monologuing has been used to like help the players connect with it. So like right before the boss battle in that campaign, I had the local, the small time Thieves Guild runner had been married to the cleric that they were like working with. And she had been captured by the this first boss, like but captured and was like being tortured essentially. And he like grabbed one of the characters that he had been close with, and like I was like, you know, with a tear in his eye, he's like, "You save her, you save her, or I will find you." That's so. Like, and it's like, oh yeah. And it's like, and yeah. she, and she literally did her her whole first like four turns in combat was nothing but to go save this person, and like people are getting like. There are you know random NPC helpers that are getting smoked. Like she was focused on that because it connected to a part of her that I'm not going to reveal because it's part of her backstory. But it did connect to an emotional level of the character. So I think that um, the first point in creating, if I had to give you like three points, first point in creating a memory of NPC, what do your what is your player's character what are those player characters what is their motivations for adventuring what is their backstory find a way to relate an emotion or the opposite emotion to the npc you do that step one they already have a hook then like step two once you do that is how does this person fit into my narrative in a way that's not just like i dropped random quest giver you know here like with Krevy with his thing, the quartermaster. Very easy to yeah. see how that's super relevant, how he would develop it. It connects. makes sense. It all connects, yep. right? And then three is you have to give your... That is where the player comes in. The player then has to take the reel. 
And if they don't take the reel, that's fine. Keep them around, but maybe you have to move the plans you had for that NPC to a different NPC, and that's okay. You can shift what you had planned for that NPC around, but as long as you are making your NPCs either foil or complementary to your character's motivate your players' motivations, that then will make the NPCs more uh, investable from the player side in my experience. Absolutely. I think from there, we can kind of push it in to, you know, after crafting, they're good or in and out. So, but again, we just talked about it in our previous episode, but Brewmaster Austin, we can push this into something much more important. And it's been weighing on my mind a little bit. And it's something that I did want to adjust with you in our last episode. I don't like the fact that you beat me. All right. You didn't beat me. Okay. You, oh, roll the natural 16 on the episode that we're talking about, like DM fudging rolls. Guys, there's a table and a half away b between us. If he got a 16, I got a 73 on the natural. Yeah. Oh, look. Oh, he's picking it up and showing it to me like a dog presenting his poop for the. That's what. It, you know what? Time for a dice battle right now. All by talking right here, not messing around. Let's do this. Three, two, one. I rolled a natural one. I rolled a three, and that is victory for me. <laughs> this is bullshit. How could I roll a natural one? And now you <laughs> hang see. On, hang on, hang on. Maybe it's a seven. Hang on. Let me double check. Ooh. Oh, no. That's a natural one. <laughs> and you see, that is the dice gods punishing him for his lies against me, forever suggesting that I would fudge the time-honored roll tradition on Dungeons & Brews. I'm going to say it. The dice gods aren't real. <gasps> That's blasphemy. You see, oh, you're going to get the Will Wheaton curse. You're going to get the I Will probably, yeah. I may, yeah. Oh my God. If you guys ever need anything interesting to watch, go to YouTube. Just type in the Will Wheaton curse. There's several videos out there, not to promote them, but they uh, like compend all the time that they uh, he had rolled on D&D Beyond and, oh, and just in front of, oh, at the uh, table for critical role. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah, it's wild. But that, I think, is the most... Uh, you know, just getting back onto our topic, that that is the most important things for me. Those three steps is kind of how I make a good NPC. And what I will say is that not every NPC that you want to be important is going to hit. So give yourself some slack. Move if if they don't take the bait, they don't like them. Move it to a different NPC. Try again. Always, always, and see see if it works. See if it works from it coming from a different you know stand. Again, physical appearance and physical descriptions help put a player into more investment of your world, right? They'll look at it and go, oh, wow, I get it now. Uh, that same attitude coming from somebody who's a little bit smaller is going to be much more, let's just say, adorable <laughs> than compared to somebody who's a little bit taller and looks like an immature little person. But since we are on the topic of creation, uh, my game show voice cannot help but I'm losing english language words guys we're gonna create this world <laughs> everyone's favorite game show where you turn your brain into mind flayer mush and let your two charismatic charming voices with the choices dms design you a world with a little input from you mm -hmm. yeah we're designing you the world but you know you got our backs on it if you remember from last time, we did NPC creation for the town of Vanilla. So we're going to do the same thing for Chocolade, which was our other little village that we made slightly bigger, a couple more buildings. But again, 
that is going to be our main goal is just like let's get some peop some names in there so you can start to think about the emotion behind the NPC, how they act, different things like that, but also so that we can have some points of contact for our quest hook that we established in the very first um, episode, talking about the blacksmithing and then continuing with the last episode. So we will start off where we started off with our last one, the good old blacksmith. So this is a blacksmith, again, at a little bit larger of a village. So there might be two blacksmiths working at the same forge. They're Are we going to partners. say that, uh, you know, uh, since we have hinted that the one in the previous town is the one from Vanilla, mm -hmm. came from Karamal from the blacksmithing guild, would you say that then these two would be part of the yeah. blacksmithing guild? Yeah, I would say that if, you know, uh, kind of a hard, fast rule for me when I use guilds is that anytime there is a trade guild, so like a blacksmithing guild, a, a gem cutter guild, wood cutter, shipbuilding, anything like that, that if you are going to have someone outside the guild, it needs to be either very secretive or they're kind of a down on their luck area, right? to kind of keep it in line because I like that being a central kind of source of friction. Yeah. Now let's do two more dwarven blacksmiths, this time actual blacksmith, not like an apprentice like we had last time. So these are both guild approved blacksmiths that work at this one forge here in Chocolat. So I know Mo has got Fantasy Generator pulled up for me. Please go check out fantasynamegenerator.com there, guys. Um, let's then go with, I would like to create a little lore on this one, if that's okay with you. Get I know, it. obviously, our players can do whatever they would like. Get it. I would like to create a pair of sisters of, that are blacksmiths. Uh, I love Gramnina Iron Belt. So they're going to be the Iron Belt family. And uh, obviously, G-R-A-M-N-I-N-A, Gramnina. And I would love to do Carabellina. So uh, K-A-R-B-O-B-L-I-N-I-A, I believe, <laughs> looking at it here. Gramanina and Carabellina. Perfect. Yeah. And, that, and that works. I mean, you can think of so many different things that would, um, you know, make their relationship interesting, right? Like one of them is better, makes fantastic swords and armor. But the other one really has a knack for the artistry of like iron rot gates or different sorts of sconces or things like that, where one of them got the more creative side of it and the other got the more like utilitarian, useful side of it and how that dynamic plays off or why both of the sisters of this Iron Belt clan are blacksmiths. If that is that like a family tradition that they serve in you know the outer villages and then come home like there's a whole mess of things that you can do with that uh, but like i said we don't want to get too far into the lore for it to keep it open for you guys so i know that one of the other buildings that we made in our second episode for chocolate was a post office and uh, i yes. have a i've had an idea on the postmaster for such a long time and i know it's going to be a little bit of like kind of a pun but kind of not at the same time I want a centaur. I want a centaur postmaster because I think it's hilarious to have them with a little mailbag sprinting Wee, between city right. to city with the mail and having like a little uniform and everything. I think it's awesome. So you just I imagine would, them running down the side of the streets and like, like the British are coming. The British, are, I, I don't know. Post is here. Yes. <laughs> the post is here. Hello. <laughs> so I would like a 
name for a centaur, please. A centaur name. So here's an interesting thing about centaur names, guys. And uh, this is very, like, important. They can be a little bit more broad, right? What makes a centaur in your world? What, you know, having somebody go, oh, yes, they're a human, you know, raised by a, you know, family of centaurs. So what you can do here for a lot of this stuff, it's not just human name generators. You can go to any of the generators that you will see on D&D. So for me, for instance, I'm just going to use the human name generator. It just works out well. And plus, you know, it's always fun here to generate some interesting ones. But I like the instance Povos. P-O-V-O-S. Povos the Postmaster yes. from Chocolade. I love it. I think that is a very easy... Uh, way since we are talking about them dealing with villages probably only need one person there you don't it's not going to be it's not like the capital it's not like caramel which is like the regional you know regional governing area where there's going to be a lot more mail a lot more area you're going to need more people to cover it right so easily moved on to that um then we have similar to vanilla one of our quintessential buildings a general store so with this i don't like to overplay tropes of like family owning general store too much so we can just say there are a pair of workers you know here for this general store but since it's a little bit bigger of a village if my memory serves we made it a population of about a thousand which is towards the peak of like what a village would be considered um why don't we say there are three people that work here a gnome that owns it uh and maybe a dwarf and a human that work there all right let's get up that dwarf name here real quick so Dwarf names we're going to pull up again, all on that fantasy name generator. I cannot plug them enough. They have literally saved my life sometime. Let's go. Uh, let's go with a female name here. Let's go with Gracilla. Grac. Gracilla. My bad. Hornflayer of the Hornflayer clan of the Southern Hills of Sukar. That's right. I just established more lore. Look at how that there are hills. <laughs> That's not canon. <laughs> But yes, Love it. that's a great name. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and you said a uh, human a, name, a human name for the other worker, and then a gnome for the owner. Egem, he's adorable. E G E G E M Egem. He just, you know, he lives in town. Humble little guy, you know, likes to go, go to do his job every day. All right, and our last one here. Brewmaster Austin, I like to go with another neutral name. I always like to toss out general neutral names because it just, you know, you can create whatever you want and as you should in your world. Your world should be extremely, you know, at parts have its moments of brightness and its moments of darkness because, again, that creation type of mythos, it works well for most worlds. But I would like to go with Zalvit, Z-A-L-V-I-T. Oh, wonderful. And moving, we are just blazing through this, moving right along, uh, Town Hall, I'm going to do a similar thing to what we did last time. It's not that much bigger of an administration. So why don't we say we're going to have, um, you know. I think we need a D, D4 roll. A D4 roll? Good D4 roll good here D4. would always set us up for success. So let's roll that bad boy. Three. Three. Let's do three minus one. Okay. Let's have a good solid two. Two. So that way we do not need to. Again, guys, the more that you add NPCs, the more you as a person may start structuring it into, I need to develop this backstory and that backstory with them. Not really. You can give them certain highlighting points, what I like to call the three con uh, for them and a three con against them. Why it's the word con for either one, you know, ask me when I'm 
and I've been filming all day. It's kind of goes to our general topic that we talked about today. Correct. Like, not all of your NPCs need to be the most fleshed out, super in depth. Because I mean, you'll even see the three like, and three rule. It's it's one of my favorite ones that I like to always implement for me. Like they've got these ideas of like this is going to be a value to them. This and this, perfect. And these are their attributes. Um, if you guys ever are very curious, I believe it's called Eventire Games. Uh, they are, are available on uh, Instagram. Highly go check them out. They released a book in regards to their crafting of specifically merchant interactions, setting a certain persuasion check for them to beat. And what they will do is they will give them something for them and against them, something that they don't like and something that what, where they bias, where they don't, they fall. And it's just been, I love that book. I've incorporated a lot of their structures into my campaign because it helps me you know, tidy things up. So definitely go check them out. It's E-V-E-N-T-Y-E-R-Y-R and then games. And I believe you can find them all over on um, Instagram. Yeah. And with um, <clears throat> with that, we're going to have a magistrate and the assistant kind of similar to what we did with Vanilla. So why don't we have, um, again, because we know this is a primarily dwarven area, it would make sense, dwarven magistrate. But I'm going to let you do a little random pick any race you want to do for the assistant. Yes, we did incorporate a couple of gnomes occasionally. And we've already said how the incorporation of more and more races into a specific city can start expanding that city more. You know what? Why do we have several uh, different types of races of tiefling? If tieflings are included in your world when we live in a dwarven empire, what is the history there? Again, you have an option to go from there. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my D20. I'm going to line up 20 different things here on my fantasy name generator, and I'm going to go through them and see what we get. So let's see what we get. That is a two. And the one I have lined up was Dragonborn. So let's incorporate a little subsection within Vanilla to start showing the expanding races at this point, because you've done human, you've done Probably half elves and dwarves. We've done human dwarves, obviously, within and gnomes within uh, vanilla. Now that we're in chocolate, we've established obviously the dwarves exist, the norms exist, but now we have a subsection because chocolate is a little bit bigger than vanilla. Let's expand it a little bit here and let's start incorporating the dragonborn into our lovely name generation. So give me a good old dragonborn name for the assistant and a good old dwarven name for the magistrate. Oh, I've got one already for you right off the top of my head. Neswinu. I only know that for the dragonborn one. Uh, he's a dragon one, born one. I made him directly off of my old, uh, my first D&D character. Perfect. I, I right? It. I love it. It's got to be in there. It's got to be in there. It's, yeah, that's 100%. Uh, what else were you thinking? And then a dwarven magistrate. Dwarven magistrate here let's pull this bad boy up guys sorry for some of these pauses here but let's uh do you want to go male or female austin i'll leave it up to you i'm gonna go female with female yeah let's go with then how can i not what morning w-e-t-m-o-u-r-e-n why is she morning because she lost her husband in a great conflict. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. Morning what is wrong with you? Tone of foes. <laughs> uh, but that then establishes our magistrate port. We then only have three buildings left. We have a port, a brewery, and an inn and tavern. So for the port, I'm going to tell you straight up how I do ports. 
I do not put permanent NPCs there because ports come and go so often with different ships, different crews, different things like that. There's really, there's really not a need for you to put, unless you are going to have like some sort of the shipping manifest have been altered or forged. So I've done, I've done a dock master established yeah. in my world. And so like my that's bigger when ports, I would yeah. put, a, I would put a dock master there if I'm going to have plot hooks relate specifically to something that will occur at the port. But otherwise, because there's so much activity there, really, I just keep a list of like five or six extra names and just throw it out if I need it to like improv real quick. Like, hey, I want to talk to this guy. Do they see anything? Yeah, no, uh, Quiltus did not see anything, you know, like something like that, you know, where you don't really need to have a fleshed out NPC in my mind for the port because, and specifically for this, I'm not, we're not creating a plot hook based on the shipping right now. So for the port, I'm going to say that's going to leave that to your own devices. But for the brewery, the brewery is one I want to do. And then we can finish off with our, our wonderful inn and tavern slash common place to meet as adventurers um but a brewery, it always works guys it always works a brewery you're gonna need like a master brewer and probably a, at least a few employees and someone who would distribute the brewed product you know to wherever it's going whether that's to caramel or that's to vanilla or whether that's even right down the road to the inn and tavern that's in chocolate so i need a brewmaster let's say three brew assistants and then someone who we would probably say is like a delivery person. So we have four total people. I would like to twist the the fantasy narrative a little bit on this because I know Absolutely. typically if you look in D&D, brewers typically go along with dwarves for like ales and sorts of things. They like do. That. Yeah. And elves typically are for like your wines and things like that. I want an elven beer brewer. An elven beer brewer. All right, let's see what we get here, Brewmaster Austin. So let's go ahead, scroll down to where it says elves here. We got some elven names popping right up. All right, I'm going to make them all neutral because I would love to assign these to be genderless. Again, however you want to do that. And it works for your typical elven trope. It's, you know, on point. And when all else fails, go tropey so <laughs> let's go with rl would you like the surname uh no we'll just keep the first ones in All here right. because i do um i typically again not for everybody but i typically elves in my world are usually very protective of their surnames yes so i typically that's a very only, good idea I, I only keep them they give them their first and then if you are in the trust you kind of do that so give me one give me three more Elven names for the assistants. Do we keep them all neutral? All right, and I think we have. I think we already have one, correct? Yeah, we already have one. So give me three more. Three more. So you want a total of four? Gotcha. Total of four. These are the assistant brewers. Okay, so gotcha, like, gotcha. so even if they're half elves in your world, whatever, you know, they're they're still gonna have an elven name. Vamir. Vamir. Let's go with Vanali. In the last case, uh, I believe this will be our last one. Halamar. I love elvish names. Brendan Lee Mulligan has a great skin when she does like this little, mm -hmm. like, you know, talking of like, I'm like, yeah, it's all very over the top and I love it. And it's a lot of excellent thank And because we were talking about the race dynamic before, I want to do the delivery person again as a centaur. 
because I think this is going to establish in your players in the players' minds whether you're ripping this off or whether you know we're running it with you guys. Why are the centaurs doing the actual begrudging manual labor of transporting things from place to place? So if you remember, our postmaster that we made this episode is a centaur. Our brew delivery person is now going to be a centaur. Why is one race being relegated to doing delivery as like a menial task? And that's going to be, I think, something now that I'm, I'm glad you brought it up is going to be a reoccurring theme. And we can now kind of have, hey, look. A good aligned character should probably stand up and say something about that because something's wrong with this. Something's wrong with this. Correct. You need to speak out. That's always something that I've uh, that has always been brought up to me before, and it, like I remember watching a great YouTube clip, but it talked about what makes certain things work, right? For instance, the one trope that they focused on was like, oh yeah, uh, my character lives in a world full of evil people, but I want to worship life. Why? That makes no sense. You must have had some influences in your life that changed your perspective. Biggest one for me, and again, I've come to, back to it on this podcast a couple times, but the Driz Jordan series explains to you in his humble beginnings in the Underdark the, how this drow worshipped life. And it's so cool to me to watch that evolution. So definitely go give that a shot. But uh, the one I'm looking at here and the one I really liked here, Brewmaster Austin, is Petreto. P uh, well, Petra... Rio, if you want to go technical there. So P-E-T-R-A-R-E-O. I love it. And then the last one that we have is an inn and tavern. So if you remember, we had um, an owner, two bartenders for the one in vanilla. I'm going to do an owner, three bartenders for this one uh, in Chocolat, just because, again, it's a little bit bigger of a village probably going to have more foot traffic. You got the port. You're going to need the extra hands on deck. So with this, I would, um, since we've already introduced one exotic race, you consider Dragonborns in D&D an exotic race. They're not as spread out through typical campaigns. I think I want to stick with the humans, elves, gnomes, or dragonborn that we've already introduced, dwarves that we've already introduced so far. So I'm going to say, since we have an assistant, uh, your old character, why don't we make the owner of this bar a family member of theirs? So a dragonborn for the owner with three dwarven bartenders. All right. I kind of like that. So let's focus here first on a dragonborn names, everybody. All right. So for our first dragonborn name here, Broodmaster Austin, let's go with XOR. A-X-O-R. And he's part of the Quelroth clan. Q-E-L-R-O-T-H. Wonderful. And how about three dwarven names for the bartenders? Absolutely. And I actually, because I'm I'm creating a little plot hook down the road, I'm not going to spoil deal. it for Please anybody. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. But I want to do a little, uh, you know, set of triplets for the dwarves so same family name but three dwarves so what you're telling me is we need sounding names right i see you belrin kelrin and delrin you can spell them however you want i didn't even look that up guys fantasy name generators in front of me and i still don't need it let it be known i am on my D D lord and similar to um, how we did vanilla 
right? We ha now have filled all the NPC names out. Again, we're not going to give you too many things on how to play them. That should be left to you. But for, you know, our little plot hook, you obviously are going to have, we would have people probably talk to the sisters at the blacksmith. And that is where I think we should stop talking about our plot hook specifically because we do want to run people through it. So we know that that's going to be a place of interest and you can then branch that into so many different directions. So now that we've got our first two villages done, that's probably a good place for us to stop with character creation. And I actually have a random topic for you. Whoa, both. is that is that the music? Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, there's the music. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have that power too, Mo. Oh, wow. Yeah, to you, start the music. You, you, that's not... Mm -hmm. What are you even going to talk about? You're going to talk about like, so oh, I... the next big bad of your the future Kingdom Hearts world. Or or is it like, oh my god, look at me. Boca, oh, oh my god, oh, you said before you were a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, you don't think I was listening? Nope. Uh, did you know Star Trek? Are you a Star Trek fan? Um, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was talking about either one. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Oh, uh, but no, the topic, I have, a bitch. The topic okay. I have for you today <laughs> is why do we always represent elves with a British accent? Well, they must talk like the way that the dignitary speaks through their mouths with subtleness and grace. And if you do not know, Brewmaster Austin, I represent all of said of above, not because of thy will, but through my good. Yeah, I can't keep that up. But yeah, I do. It's good. Yeah, every, it's great. every DM that I've ever had <laughs> has always done it. You know, elves are the British. You know, it's... It's very proper to speak within an eloquent tone and use things like rubbish bin and cue to describe what we would consider more rudimentary in terms. But are you going to tell me that I should have put my head in the crocodile mouth? Because here's the thing: I still want to. Yeah, but I Sounds want like to. I want to propose a great shift when we run this campaign. Do you want to make the dwarves are British, elves are Scottish. <laughs> Hey guy, hey guy. Let me get this right. So you want me to spoke, speak with dwarves as in, "Hello, sir. Welcome to Thickle Bay." There are two things Buckle that spells. I that I as a dwarf love in this world. It's rock and stone. I, I. Uh, shall we go have our proper fight within the pits? Yes, I believe we shall. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that we're is... never going to get <laughs> English viewers. <laughs> Let it be known, <laughs> England. None of you are joining us. Yeah, you yeah, can't end this episode you. on that note. Now no. yeah, we have to. We have to. We have. We to. have to end this episode, guys. We cannot thank you enough for joining us here, episode four, Brewmaster Austin. We have rolled along. We have five. Five. It's five. Oh my god, we've done five of these. Yeah, and there's also two bonus. So technically, I mean, if you want to do that, but yeah. Five. Oh my Five. goodness. Yeah. All of this, you know, is staying in the episode. So, yeah. guys, we cannot thank you enough. Episode 5. We do have our lovely two part special of our Blood War series. Go check it out there. We just released it. Uh, let us know what other things that you guys like. Do you like us to talk about, you know, maybe you want to talk about Mount Celestia? Oh no, the good guys. Yes, you know, righteousness, indignation. Or you know, I smite thee. Even, even if you guys want us to talk about like a specific character class or subclass or something like that give we us would your love thoughts to break it. it down we would love to break things down break down mechanics break down things like that if that's something that you guys are interested in so if that is you know let us know on either the discord the instagram tiktok any such as the bruise zero one 
uh, for our email at gmail.com if you guys ever want to send us a specific request. If you want to send us anything on Instagram, check us out, Dungeons and Bru- Dungeons underscore and underscore brews on our Instagram and check us out on our Discord page, which you can find a link to get added immediately into our servers right in this episode title. Brewmaster Austin. We're gonna have a TikTok soon too. We do. Uh it's gonna be at Dungeons period and period brews. Uh working on some content now, so we'll have that out to you shortly. But until next time, guys, part of the pod, part of the brew. <laughs>